Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Today, the subject of flow is the focus of our conversation. I'm here with Chris M. King, executive performance coach, author, speaker, and founder of Status Flow. We discuss an overview of the concept of flow, how to create flow or get in the zone, how to avoid potential negative effects of flow, and all their golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Chris. Thank you for being here today. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And I love to jump right in. In 52 episodes of my podcast, the subject has not come up, so I'm really excited to dive into it, especially with as deep as you can go with it. The concept of flow. What is flow and what's the story? How did you discover it? Well, flow has many other names. Uh, Athletes refer to it as being in the zone. Uh, You've heard the term runner's high. Basketball players in particular call it going unconscious. Essentially what it is, is an optimum state of consciousness where you feel your best, you perform your best, you're never stressed out, and you're using fewer resources to achieve bigger goals. And how did you discover it? When when did it come up in your life? Well, formally, there are two answers to that question. There's the informal answer and then the formal answer. Informal uh, I, I figured this out when I was a kid. I just, and I didn't know what it was. I just knew what it felt like. And so I was a, you know, I was a BMX kid and a skateboarder. And then later in life, you know, mountain biking, I was an ice hockey player. So I knew what it meant to be in the zone. Uh, you know, I raced go-karts when I was a kid. So I had a very long and familiar relationship with this thing that just felt really good, but I wouldn't have been able to articulate it at the time. It wasn't until later in life that I started kind of a formal education and training around this and understood that this thing called being in the zone has a very simple name, flow. Uh, the godfather of flow is a guy by the name of, get ready for this, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Uh, and it has its roots in positive psychology. So this goes back to Maslow and William James and, and goes all the way back. But it used to be known as like religious experiences that later became peak experiences. And now we simply refer to it as flow. So when it comes to integrating flow and someone has an idea they want to bring up and be creative and get it going, how do you do it? Because I know you can have flow, if I'm right, I shouldn't say I know, but you can have a flow crash from being in the zone and then you're like, oh, I'm spent. Where's that balance? I got this idea, I want to bring it to life, but I can't be in the zone all the time. I'll redline my brain and it'll fry. How How do you create it without frying your brain? Flow is really interesting because in, in order to create this, it, it's so counterintuitive. Like so many things will seem very backwards. Okay. So first, when, when we're talking about creativity, for example, um, the, the, the big brain thinking, you know, like the, the, when, which is really high frequency brain waves, that is not where the creativity happens. So when you're, when you're crunching on something, solving a problem, uh, that's a different part of the brain than, and, and a different brainwave frequency than the creative part. So, so essentially what you need to do is set the conditions and, um, and uh, behave in a certain way that will create the flow state that you're looking for. And you can train into flow, you can train out of flow, and both are necessary because to your point, flow is all driven by your natural neurochemistry. So if you get into the zone and you're into flow and you ride that for a really long time and you ride it all the way to its end, you burn out all of your, all of your neurochemistry. 
And so, and, and I've had this happen many times because I'll get on flow, uh, I'll get into a flow cycle when I'm like on stage doing a presentation. And it's, it's one of my, my favorite places to experience this. But the next day, I'm in a pretty bad mood. There's a lot of like negative self-talk. I'm not feeling really good because I'm actually not neurobiologically capable of being in a good mood because I burned out all my neurochemistry. <laughs> so you'd also brought up flow triggers. What are those? All right. So there are, these are the conditions that need to be present in order to create the neurochemical cocktail that flow is the result of. So um, there, there's even something called what I call the flow paradox, where um, somebody says, I am trying to get into flow. That in and of itself is likely to keep you out of it because there, there's some interesting signature experiences in a flow cycle. Um, and, and that loss of a sense of self is one of them. So if you're working on something, you know, something for a client or a project or whatever, and your sense of self kind of goes away, there's just the awareness of the thing that you're working on. It's like a sense of oneness, right? Um, and, and that's, that's a, a, a signature of a flow state. Uh, time uh, passes in a really weird way in a flow state. When you're working in, in flow, it feels like 30 minutes went by. And then when you look up, it's been like two, three hours, right? So, mm -hmm. and it's because of the way flow affects the brain and what happens to the brain and what parts of the brain are on and what parts of the brain are off when you're in a flow cycle. As far as on and off, what do you mean? The chemistry of the brain and what, what is on or off depending? Great question. So, um, okay, there are many different parts of the brain, right? And when you're in big brain thinking mode, you're problem solving, uh, it's this part of the brain that's active. This is the prefrontal cortex. It's about the size of two walnuts right here in the front, okay? And that's where all the big brain thinking happens. That's also where your ability to track time happens, okay? Right here in the prefrontal cortex. Um, so what happens in a flow cycle is that that part of the brain takes a little bit of a nap and other parts of the brain start to light up and the creative centers of the brain light up. So these are different parts of the brain. So this is why you can't track time in a flow state because the part of your brain that does that is offline in a sense. So if someone wants to start creating flow, are there exercises they can do? Is it meditation? What is it? Right, right. I didn't answer your question, the flow trigger. So there are 22 of them that we know of right now. Let's go through all of them, five minutes <laughs> apiece. <laughs> I'll give you a few, right? Um, so, the, and, and there, there are, um, there are three, uh, um, what I'll call versions of flow, right? There's individual flow, there's group flow, and then there's communitas, right? Like, which is a, a, like a rave party or a rock concert, that kind of thing, right? Group flow happens in like teams, whether they're sports teams or business teams, but when everybody's working together. Um, so complete concentration is one of the flow triggers. You have got to be focused on the thing you're doing. You cannot be distracted by your cell phone going off or whatever. You got to be completely focused on what you're doing. Um, novelty is a flow trigger. You need to have some differentiation and disruption to the normal cadence of, of your day and things that happen routinely. Uh, you need risk. There needs to be a bit of risk involved. Um, because risk is a focusing mechanism, okay? There, there's chemicals in the brain associated with fear and risk, and you need the perfect amount of risk so that it's enough so that it keeps you focused, but not so much that it paralyzes you and freaks you out, right? How do you balance those two out? Because a negative self-talk, like you mentioned, could come in and just destroy it. Well, true. I mean, so the first thing is about awareness, you know, right? Because until there's awareness, there's no choice, right? So you need to be aware of what's happening with you, what your thoughts are, what your experience is, um, and there's, and I'm, I don't know how they came up with this figure, but there's actually a math, there's a math equation for how much risk you need in something. And it's plus 4% of your skill set. Uh -huh. So 
if, if you have, so like I'm a mountain bike guy, right. And, and I, and I'm a pretty good mountain biker. I can take some pretty good jumps. Uh, but if so, and I can jump like a 20 foot gap. So if I can jump a 20 foot gap, you know, pretty easily and consistently, it's going to get very, um, I don't know, I'm going to get maybe complacent about it. It's going to become boring because I've done it so many times. So now I need to add 4% to that. So and let's stretch it out to like 22 feet, 24 feet, right? It starts to grow so that I can keep focused and, and stay in the flow stage. And I interrupted you. What are a few more of the triggers? Uh, well, you need, uh, I mentioned complete, uh, complete concentration. You need to have uh, a deep embodiment is another one. So you need to be completely connected and, and like immersed in what you're doing. Uh, you need autonomy, right? So people, if like, if you have a team that with a leader who is a micromanager, that team will never get into flow, right? Because people need to, to steer their own ships and feel like they can do it really well. And so it's like, give the team the outcome that you're looking for. Hey, this is what we need to accomplish. Here's our resources. Here's our timeline. Go, <laughs> like mm -hmm. leave them alone to do their thing. Cause if you micromanage them, they're never going to get into flow. With flow, does it relate as far as negative self-talk? Maybe I'm not good enough. Does, can flow help overcome that? Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs in various stages get to the point where they can't seem to get out of that run of, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I am, as opposed to being in flow and proving to yourself that you can do something. Is there a connection there or did I miss the boat entirely with the question? Yeah, I don't know that there, I, I can't say that there's a connection there. Okay. Um, I mean, the, when it comes, because again, flow is a, an end result of a physiological thing. What you're talking about are unconscious psychodynamics that are present in somebody's belief system, right? So mm -hmm. that's a different thing. Um, that does need to shift, right? Because again, if you're doing a lot of negative self-talk, it's the way that that affects neurochemistry that is going to lock you out of flow, right? So it's, it's about understanding, you know, how, what do I need to do to shift this? And in a way that doesn't set off my internal bullshit detector, like, mm -hmm. because like people, like we talk about affirmations, you know, a lot of, a lot of coaches or, or, you know, motivational people will talk about positive affirmations and, if that works for you, great, right? Use it all day. For me, if, if I'm telling myself something that I know I don't believe, my, my internal bullshit detectors, it goes, yeah, you don't really think that, right? And so it's not really, really going to work. So what other ways are there as far as leveraging flow? Well, flow, I mean, you can use it for anything. Like I mentioned, anybody can get into flow, right? You can be, yes, obviously you can be an athlete, but you can be a plumber. You could be a musician. You could be an accountant. You could be a graphic designer, right? It's, it's simply a matter of setting those conditions. Uh, and and they're, while the triggers are, are the same across the board, the way we relate to those triggers can be different. So how, what gets you into flow won't get me into flow and vice versa, right? And if someone is going to experiment with this, for the first time, as far as consciously trying to create flow, how do you know, besides the time goes by really fast, what are the ways could someone recognize it? If they've never experienced it, what are the, the little like, oh, wow, I'm in flow. How do they know they are if it's their first time rec consciously recognizing it? Maybe they've done it unconsciously, but consciously. Yeah, I, I would say go back to a time when you were a, a kid, like pretty young. Kids can get into flow really easily. Because as I mentioned, when you're in a flow state, the prefrontal cortex goes offline, right? Kids don't have that. Right? The yeah. prefrontal cortex does not develop until you're about 25 years old. So kids can get into flow a lot easier. This is why we see 
so many of these young kids, 13, 15 years old, doing skateboard tricks and all these things because they can jump into flow really easily. They don't get in their own way that way. Whereas we have that prefrontal cortex that, you know, we got to figure out how to shut down. So, um, so go back to a time in your childhood or maybe in work, maybe, maybe it happened in college when you were working on that thing and time passed in a weird way, just like a snap went by. Um, and it, and it'd been hours, maybe when you were playing as a child with your friends or your siblings, and you were just completely in that experience, like the rest of the regular world didn't exist anymore. And you just had this amazing time with your friends or family, uh, you know, though, and see if, you know, what you can start to do is start to track this. Um, hmm. So if, and, and you can, and, and this is really going to do in your adult life in particular, but remember the times when you crushed it. Remember the times when you just had this amazing work product. Remember that time that you got into the zone and it was this really, uh, you know, so we sort of say it's kind of a funny way to say it, but you know, flow has a very flowy feeling, right? It <laughs> seems it's very flowy. It's like, it feels like what you're working on is effortless. It just happens. Like it's coming through you. Like you're just channeling the brilliance, right? So if you can go back to your memory of those times and start to track, what are the conditions? What are the circumstances? Who are the players? Like how, what was going on that allowed me to access that? Start to recapitulate that and say, okay, how can I create similar conditions in my world now? So can thinking about flow bring you back into that state? Well, again, there's that flow paradox, right? You know, I am getting into flow is, is going to lock you out. There's no yeah. I in flow state. So it's um, what I say is, look, if, if you're focused on the result, you're probably not going to get there in terms of flow, right? So the idea is to focus on of what is this, of, of what is flow a result? Well, it's a result of setting those conditions. So that's where your attention and your focus needs to be. How do I set the conditions? How do I bring a little risk into this thing? How do I bring a little more novelty into this? How do I bring some more autonomy so I can be left alone and do what I want to, you know, do what I do in my way? You know, how can we create, how can we set those conditions? By asking about how much more risk is that setting a bigger goal, for example, or what, what would that be that four plus 4%? Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of ways that people do this unconsciously actually. Um, so it's what we call the challenge skills balance. This is another flow trigger, the, the challenge skills balance. And again, the challenge needs to be, a little bit above your, your skill set. And so that's the 4% number. And that's what we call the flow channel. Okay. That's where it happens. So um, a lot of people will do this unconsciously. So let's say you have a really easy task and you are an expert at whatever that thing is. Well, you're going to be really bored with that, right? Because your skill set is way better, way, you know, way better than the task itself requires. So what are you going to do? Maybe you're going to kick the can down the road a little bit. So you tighten up the timeline, like you procrastinate, mm -hmm. right? Because then with a short timeline, this increases the risk, right? Oh, that's why some, nope. I'm, that's me. That was me in school. Okay. And, and the opposite is true as well. If you have a really hard task and you're a beginner, it's going to freak you out. So that will also cause procrastination, right? So what a, that's risk. What's another example of, did you say novelty? Novelty. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, here's a great way to introduce novelty. Uh, go for a walk. Like go for a walk, you know, out just outside there is novelty. Complexity is another flow trigger. There's a lot of complexity out there. 
right? Get out of your normal patterns, disrupt your things. I mean, you, if you want to experience like some, and you don't have to be doing, you don't have to do this in like really big ways. Mm-hmm. Look, you know, you want to, you want novelty in your life, brush your teeth with your, brush your teeth with your opposite hand. <laughs> right there. It's going to literally physiologically change the way your brain is working. Well, once you're in flow, are there ways to stay there or just by being in flow, you will automatically stay there? Okay. So this is the, that's a great question because there's, there, flow has a dark side and, and high performers, peak performers, especially uh, people that get into flow on any kind of, with any kind of regularity or, or, or have that experience where they know what I'm talking about. Um, flow actually has a dark side and it's a little dangerous because flow is what we call an autotelic experience, which is just a fancy word for addictive. Uh, the science community doesn't like the word addictive. So we say autotelic. Right. So, um, but that just means what that means is that we'll do it just for the sake of doing it. We're not doing it because it makes us money. We're not doing it because, uh, you know, we need to accomplish goals. We're doing it because God flows feels just that good. Right. So, um, so the, the thing with flow, remember it, I told you it involves risk in the, mm-hmm. in the case of extreme athletes, you look at the X games or, or, you know, these, uh, the, the metal militia, you know, the Travis Pastrata, these, these extreme athletes, Flow can get, can get you killed, right? If we look at, you know, the base jumpers, the, the wingsuit people, Johnny Strange is a great example, 23 years old, died in a wingsuit accident, living his best life. Um, but because flow involves risk, once you've done something 10 times, 12 times, 50 times, there's no more risk involved, right? So if you're a snowboarder and jumping a 20 foot gap is risky for you, but then you've done it a hundred times. It's no longer risky. So now you need a 25 foot gap. You need a 30 foot gap. You need a 50 foot gap, right? It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So flow can potentially get you killed. Um, and, and for most of us, that's not really a risk. Um, you know, like I said, you're, it's, you're, if you ride flow all the way to its end, you're not neurobiologically capable of being in a good mood after that. And the last piece that I'll share on this is that there's what I call the flow hangover. So if you spend a lot of time in flow, it's going to take some time to build your neurochemistry back up to get into flow again. So the hardest thing with, with high performers, with peak performers is training them and how to train themselves to get out of flow and when, so that they can get back into it sooner. Right. And that's a really tricky thing to do because high performers don't want to stop, especially when you're in a flow state and feels good. You want to keep going. Right. So you got to learn how to train yourself out of this. Got it. Well, we've covered a lot in a short period of time. If someone's listening, like that was like a fire hydrant in a good way. <laughs> I want to experience flow. If you were going to say, if, if nothing else, do this one thing, whether it's reiterating something you've already said or touching on something you haven't, if you were going to give them one thing to do to get started, what would you say? If nothing else, do this. Challenge what you think is real. Go on. Challenge what you think to be true, what you've proven a million times as a fact challenge that because that's how you're going to open up the creative centers of your brain. You know, it's what I call going to banana world, a world where, you know, nothing is true. Nothing is real, right? Really stretch out into the fantastic. And that's how you can start to open up the creative centers of the brain. Thank you so much. And if people want to find you online, where's the best place to go? Yeah, you can get us at statusflow.net. You can catch us on Instagram at the status flow. There's a status flow podcast as well. Um, you know, give us a call. We can support, uh, training teams and individuals, uh, in how to get five days of work done in one day, how to, uh, increase innovation and creativity, how to eliminate stress levels all while you, while using fewer resources.
Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing Podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.